Hello and welcome to episode five of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. Recording my conversation for this podcast was a thrill of a lifetime for me, for I had the honor to spend over an hour chatting with one of the great runners of all time, Bill Rogers, also known as Boston Billy, along with one of his running amigos, Joe Martino. I think you're going to love this podcast as we spend quite a bit of time talking about Western mass running, as well as the evolution of the sport of running since the running boom of the late 70s. I met the legendary Bill Rogers at the Runners Expo prior to the 2019 Philadelphia Marathon. Bill was at a booth signing copies of his book, Marathon Man. So my wife, Cindy, and I waited in line for the opportunity to chat with Bill. When it was our turn, Bill was extremely friendly, asking Cindy about her running in the 8K race prior to the marathon. And Bill told us how much he enjoyed visiting Western Mass, in particular, the St. Patrick's Day road race in Holyoke. Bill spent a good five minutes talking with us, even though others were waiting in line, and we didn't even buy a book. However, I've since purchased an autographed copy of Bill's book, and you can too, at BillRogersRunningCenter.com. I recommend it. Bill gave me his business card in Philly, and that included his email address. So a few weeks after starting these podcasts, I sent Bill an email to invite him to come on, even though I knew it was a long shot. But I was pleasantly surprised when Bill agreed to chat with me. I must admit, I didn't sleep too well the night before recording this podcast, but Bill's friendly manner put me at ease, and I'm very happy with how the podcast turned out. In fact, Bill mentioned afterwards that he'd like to do another one, perhaps in October, around the time of this year's Boston Marathon. My other guest, Joe Martino, is an accomplished runner in his own right and has ties to Western Mass. Joe grew up in Greenfield and at one time was a member of the Greater Springfield Harriers. Joe now lives in Medway, but last year he returned to Western Mass to attend the inaugural ceremony of the Western Mass Runners Hall of Fame. Joe's book, On the Run, Friendships and Finish Lines, has many stories about Joe's running exploits while growing up in Greenfield. And I believe it is available at fast feed stores in West Springfield and Westfield. I really enjoyed reading it. So now, here's my conversation with Bill Rogers and Joe Martino. And stay tuned afterwards for a rundown of upcoming Western Mass running events. Today, I'm honored to have legendary runner Bill Rogers and his amigo, Joe Martino, on the Let's Run Western Mass Running podcast. So, so welcome, Bill and Joe. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. So Bill, both Bill and Joe have connections to Western Mass. But before we get into that, I'd, I'd like to provide a brief summary of their accomplishments. So Bill Rogers won both the Boston Marathon and the New York City Marathon four times each between 1975 and 1979. In 1975, Bill set the American Marathon record in Boston with a time of two hours, nine minutes, 55 seconds, and set the record again in 79 with a time of 209.27. In all, Bill won 22 marathons in his career. Of, of the 60 marathons Bill ran, 28 of them were run under two hours, 15 minutes. In 1978, Bill won 27 of the 30 races he entered. 
In addition to his marathon records, Bill set records at other distances, including 10K, 15K, 20K, 25, and 30K. And he held the record for the longest distance run in one hour. Uh, but Bill's last marathon was in Boston in 2009. Joe Martino grew up in Greenfield and graduated from UMass Amherst. Joe's first road race was as a teenager in 1966, running an eight mile race in Granby. Joe's running accomplishments blossomed while he was at Greenfield High School, winning the 1969 Western Mass Cross Country Individual Championship as a senior. Joe stayed active throughout his post high school running career, competing on the road race circuit during the 70s, 80s and 90s and beating big time competitors on a consistent basis. Joe ran in 255 races and won 96 of them. He finished 13th, 13th in the 1970 New York City Marathon. Uh, in addition, both, both Bill and Joe have written books about their running. Bill's book is called Marathon Man, My 26.2 Mile Journey from Unknown Grad Student to the Top of the Running World. And Joe's book is called On the Run, Friendships and Finish Lines. So welcome again. And um, uh, I wanna really focus our discussion on kind of your, your connections with Western Mass. Uh, so, so Bill, um, start with you. Um, let's talk about the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day road race. Um, so that, that race started in 1976. And in fact, you, you participated in the first three Holyoke road races and uh, won them all. Uh, and that race was organized by your friend, Tommy Leonard. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, back then, I think I, I looked it up, 197 runners took part. Um, which now that race has blossomed. I mean, it's like 7,000 runners participate now. Uh, so, so then, um, do you have any recollections of, uh, you know, running Holyoke back in those days? Are you kidding me, Tim? I forget everything else, but I remember all my races. <laughs> in fact, I have a running log here from 1976 and then 77 and 78. So I reviewed them a little bit and, and I remember the races very clearly because Tommy was a, a, a friend. He was a member of the Greater Boston Track Club. We knew he was from Westfield area, Western Mass and all that, and, and started the Falmouth Road Race. That's how I got to know Tommy, it was in those days. But he, um, he actually contacted me to invite Frank Shorter to the Falmouth Road Race in 75, which I did. And Frank promptly beat me that year and for the next two years. But he also he invited Frank after I won the first Holyoke, he invited Frank to the second one to beat me. So I don't really know if Tommy was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but I did edge Frank that day. And, you know, it, it's a wonderful race. It used to be more than a 10K. Now it's a 10K. It was an eight mile. Yeah, it was, I was looked mile. it up. It was, uh, was, each year you ran, it was a different distance. It was, yes. was 7.6 and 8.5 and 8.3. But, yeah, the but course for a long time it was a seven and a half, and now it's settled on to a 10K. Yes, and Tommy always had numerous world-class runners coming in, like John Tracy, the Olympic silver medalist in the Olympic marathon in 1984, and many other runners. Uh, of course, St. Patrick's Day and the big parade in Holyoke was a big deal. And Joe was telling me just yesterday or the day before that he thinks he may have run at Holyoke before it became the official Holyoke Road Race. Is that true, Joe? That is true, Bill. In, in uh, the late 60s, there was, uh, there was a 
an operation in Holyoke called the Bath, the Bath Shop. And the Bath Shop put on a road race. It was a six mile road race. And, uh, you know, that, that basically, you know, was a foundation for the first Holyoke, uh, the classic race. So uh, as, a, as a kid, um, 17, I was 17 and I ran, I ran that race and I, I beat a veteran uh, road runner by the name of Russ Holt. And uh, at the end, uh, when they had the award ceremony, Russ wouldn't come up to get, he wouldn't come up to get his award because this 17-year-old <laughs> kid kind of, kind of outshone him and outran him. So uh, uh, unfortunately for Russ, they had a picture of him with his, um, you know, with his scowl on his face and, he, and uh, it made the Holyoke transcripts. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, was that the year you won the uh, your state title in cross country? You were a top track guy and cross country runner. It was. It was uh, my senior year. It was. Uh, I guess it was. I think it was in the in the early fall. I, I can't remember exactly, but anyway, that year I had won Western Mass cross country, and then in the spring I I won uh, Western Mass track in, in the two mile. But so I think road races were always the, you know, road races, Bill, I think they were always the uh, uh, foundation builder for, for other things, get you strong. And, and yeah. uh, in, in the know. summer, in the summer, yeah. a lot of times. And, and uh, my first road race ever was actually in Manchester, Connecticut, the uh, Turkey Day race there. I was that's a, a high popular school senior. One. Yeah, that's a big race, Tim. And, and I, <laughs> I, my coach entered me in that and. I had just finished my cross country season. I actually won the high school division there. I still don't, I don't remember anything else about the race. <laughs> Except yeah. that it's a, probably the best day of the year, that St. Patrick's Day, to have a road race, I think. That and the 4th of July. But we've all had fun at Holyoke, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, they've built the race, Billy Harbalus and, and the race committee there has built the race so well over the years. And so you came there, back. Um, you you were back um, in Holyoke in 2015 for the uh, yes. 40th anniversary of the race. Uh, by the way, yes. I ran that year also. So, um, oh, cool. Any you, uh, you remember you know, the weather? Yep. Yeah, I don't. You don't remember? I think the weather was okay that day. I don't remember it being really bad that day. The weather was good the day of the race, but the day before there had been some snow. Yeah, I think and, so. But it was yeah, a good. I, it was. I think I remember that. Yeah, that that actually that day I was in, in the process. I was training for Boston that year, and I would run nine miles before the race, and I wanted to get a fifteen mile long run in. So I there did nine go. before the race with a with a group That's we call Grif Griffin's friends, and and then ran six point two more. But but anyway, um, so um, have you been to Holyoke since then? I, I know you mentioned Billy Horbelis, and uh, we you you came back in two thousand fifteen. Uh, yes. Well, I, you know, I, I, I ran that race that day. My, my partner, Karen, her daughter, Maureen, ran the race that day and beat me going up the first big hill and everything. And But it was fun kind of reliving the memories and going to dinner with Tommy Leonard and Steve Jones and Billy Harbless and uh, some other contributors to, to the race over the years, like Hawk, who works the finish line, uh, Hawk from Litchfield, Connecticut. But, you know, it it... it you never forget your early day races. That's what I think 
we're talking about a little bit. We're all older a little bit. And for the young winners, I, I, you know, it's going to be the same for them. We're very lucky because we were able to keep going and everything. Most of, and I did quit one year for one year in my running career and everything, but made a comeback and everything. But road racing is great fun. And, and Western Mass has produced so many races. I've run in Springfield, Agawam, at the old Riverside Park, five mile. Yeah. Um, okay. Joe introduced me to a race with a tiny little hill in Shelburne Falls. I was going to mention that. Yeah, the Bridge of Flowers, right? <laughs> so, I couldn't we, believe it. <laughs> we we arrived, uh, Tim. We arrived to the uh, to the Shelburne race. Bill was supposed to put on a uh, you know a little bit of a clinic before the uh, or after the spaghetti supper. So we uh, we decided we'd drive the course, and, and we were driving up that hill. We were looking at each other going, are you kidding me? This is insane. I think that was a quote. I was scared to death, Joe. Yeah. Not, of, not of running up it, but of driving up it. I know the car was like, like at an angle, you know. Just, but, it, but it's such know. a historical race. And I, you know, I had been to Greenfield before because Joe and I knew each other through our mutual friend, Tom Fleming, a world-class marathoner. So um, you three were the three amigos, right? Yeah, we're the three amigos, you know, like the three <laughs> musketeers or something, you know, and just have fun with our running and uh, and uh, a lot of fun, you know. But but that's I did run that race with Joe several times. We did win the Masters team title there, at Shelburne Falls once. Remember that's Joe? That's right. That's right. We we won a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, nice. And it was <laughs> and it was just fun. I think I was 40 years old when I first ran it, you know, but, uh, but definitely. Yeah, you definitely ran, uh, I, so I looked this up, Bill, you, you ran uh, three times uh, from 92 to 94. Yeah. And, and you were in your 40s, mid 40s. You finished second twice and fourth once, but you set age division records uh, when during those races. <laughs> I was trying hard, you know, and uh the last time I ran was a few years ago. I went out there and, and it was before they have recently changed the course, shortened it a bit. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> not running quite so fast these days. You know, I'm 73 years old and it's a struggle uh, to get out there and run and to race these days, but it's still brought back a lot of memories. And, and Karen and I both ran the 10K and Joe, you ran the 3K that morning, which was before the 10K. Wow. So yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was trying to uh, just kind of uh, be under the radar. You know, I wasn't in very good shape and I was trying to sneak through to the finish line. And, and unfortunately, the announcer, I was his camp counselor uh, back when he was a, a kid and he saw me and he had the microphone. So all of a sudden, everybody knew I was coming in. A little and embarrassing. The, but yeah, so but you're when, from the area. So that's that's back, cool. Uh, the, you came back recently in 2016 and, and ran the Bridge of Flowers. Um, you, you were 66 then. In fact, my wife and I were there that same day. We both ran it the same day. It was, oh. I remember it being hot, but that race is always hot, right? Because it's yes. in the middle of August. So, uh, so that was, um, I'm glad to hear you say that uh, the, the hill scared you a little bit because it, it certainly <laughs> frightened me. Well, we, Joe and I had driven the course. You know, one of the keys to road racing success is knowing the course. It's like cross country. You know, if you can go over the course and you really know it, like I knew there was a lot of downhill 
at Shelburne Falls, you know, and th at the end of that race, you could really move, you know. Um, so, so that that was key. And that's the, the fun part of the race. And you're going over the bridge, you know, in that beautiful little area, beautiful little town and everything. But it's, it's a historical race. It's been around many years. And but I think it was a smart move to shorten it because, you know, many of the races that started many years ago have been shortened or moved to a different cooler weather date. And a case, an example of that is the New York City Marathon, which Joe ran the very first one in September, 1970. And it was probably about 90 degrees, Joe, right? High 80s, at least, yeah. So, so road racing was like that for many, many, many years. Exercise science has changed all of that. Race directors have moved more to make races more open to everybody, not just people who ran cross country or track like me and Joe or you, Tim, you know, oh, but for beginners. So I'm a, I'm a Johnny come lately. So I, I'm oh, you are? advantage of the broadening uh, <laughs> cool. of the running population. <laughs> Anyway, another Western Mass race I wanted to talk about was the Holyoke Marathon. And so, Joe, you, uh, you devote a chapter to that in your book. You, you call it the Holyoke Massacre. Um, yes. So or it's also known as the Walter Childs Race of Champions. Um, so you, um, you ran that twice, actually, once in 1967, well, a sophomore in high school, and, and then ran it again in 1970. And you have a nice story in your book about your friends drinking beer in your car, I guess, so, while you were running. <laughs> well, you know, in, in, when I first ran it in 67, I, there, there was no way I had any business running a marathon. You know, it was, it was right during track season. And, um, you know, it was always hot and there was never any water on the course. And it was always at the, the uh, hottest point of the day. It started around noontime. So, Two years later, I was a senior in high school and I ran our state meet uh, on, uh, <clears throat> on Saturday. And the state meet, <clears throat> I wanted to qualify for the New Englands and be in the top uh, four runners. And I ended up running a terrible race and I, I came in sixth. So I, I was uh, an alternate for the New Englands. So I was so angry that I just, <laughs> in some weird way I decided I would punish myself and I ran the Holyoke Marathon the next day and uh, my friends uh, had my car and they they made a cooler out of the wheel well in the back and uh, they poured ice in it and they had their refreshments and uh, they were driving around the course trying to be supportive uh, and I wasn't too happy with them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a funny story. Of course, back then, the drinking age was 18 in Massachusetts. <laughs> but um, so I, I um, actually ran that race. They've changed the course um, in recent years. When, when you ran it, I think the last mile went up the hill to Mountain Park. Um, it did, yes. So um, now, now, it, um, now it starts and ends at um, a place on Route 5 called the Summit View. And it, um, so you, you get that hill kind of a mile three, I think. And, and uh, so, so the, you don't have to deal with uh, a, a big hill after running, you know, 25 and a half miles. So, yeah, you know, we actually finished right on the midway. So people were, you know, kids and families and uh, we ran right through the, through the pack of people. And, 
you know, that we were almost like part of the sideshow of the, of the uh, amusement park. So, right, yeah. Unfortunately, Mountain Park closed many years ago. Yeah. As did the ski area up there, Mount Tom. It was a, that's where I learned how to ski. But so, so anyway, Joe, you, um, you also um, mentioned that you ran cross-country races at Forest Park in Springfield. Because um, I know you, and you also mentioned your association with the greatest Springfield Harriers, um, Peter Stats. Um, and of course, the Harriers have, you know, they have races at Forest Park today. So, um, any, but I think your races were uh, trail races. At the, yeah, early uh, in the late 60s, I used to go down to Forest Park every Monday night and I would run uh, the cross country race. And I believe it was uh, 2.9 miles. And then afterwards, we would all go out for a run. We'd run four, five, or six miles. So, um, you know, one of the one of the toughest competitors I ever met during those races was a guy by the name of Mike Gallagher. And Mike Gallagher was on the U.S. ski team. He was cross country skier. Um, ended up, I think, coaching this U.S. ski team at one point. But anyway, Mike was one heck of a tough runner. And every single Monday night he would, he would show up and he would beat me. And then we'd go out for a nice run afterwards and, and share our training stories and, and uh, you know, a lot of the friendships that, that uh, go on develop through going out for a run. And that's how we did it. Yeah. It's a great, um, it's a great social activity, you know, running and kind of enjoying everyone's company afterwards. Um, so, um, Continue on with the Harriers theme. You, you um, uh, of course, you, you ran with Peter, and you they were, you were part of a racing team that that went to California. Yes. So Peter uh, Peter was always a competitor on the uh, the road race circuit, and you know he um, he began the uh, development of this Greater Springfield Harriers, and for years, you know, I lived in Greenfield and. You know, I thought Springfield was a long way away, you know, so I, I ran for our little local club for a while and, and then I joined a Boston running club and I felt so disconnected. So I didn't have training partners or friends. And so I talked to Peter and, and uh, the next thing you know, I was a greater Springfield Harrier. And one of the big events was the national cross country championship, which was held at, um, at a golf club in, in Burbank, California. So Peter did a great job at fundraising. Uh, I'm not sure how he actually did it, but he, he brought a men's team and a women's team out to California for the national cross country. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell you one quick story from that. Um, we were all, we were trying to be very thrifty and we didn't have a lot of money. And Peter had, uh, had enough money to rent one rental car. And one of our runners, uh, Mike Kelleher, who's a greater Springfield uh, Western Mass guy, his uh, cousin was going to be joining us. And he said, we can use my, my cousin's vehicle for the uh, remainder of the runners. So we were standing around at the checkout for the, for the rental car. And all of a sudden, this old pickup truck with a blue tarp on the back <laughs> came pulling in and Mike yeah, started yelling out, cousin Gene is here. <laughs> so long story short, that's how we got around. Half the team got in the back of a pickup truck, 
and put the tarp down. And we arrived at the, at the golf course for the championship. And we all flipped up the side of the tarp. We scurried out of the back of the, the truck and one of the runners from another club was standing there and I could hear him as loud as could be. He goes, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> the, the, the greater Springfield Harriers have arrived. Traveling in style, Joe, traveling in style. Oh boy. It's uh, a great story. So, um, so Bill, I wanna get back to you. Um, you're, um, you mentioned your book again, Marathon Man, um, and it's, um, well-crafted, the, the first 15 chapters of your book chronicle your 1975 Boston Marathon. That was first, your first win. And then each chapter that goes from your pre-race thoughts in Hopkinton to chapter 15 talks about crossing the finish line in, on Boylston Street. And, and then there's flashbacks in each chapter and on events, you know, prior events that had really informed, you know, how you performed that day. And so, um, Anything, anything else you want to say about the, the book or, or Boston yeah, Marathons? I've, well, I've got my book with me just to show it to people here. I don't know if you can see it there. I can, I can see it, yeah. It's... Yeah, the photo is actually taken from 79. It's not 75, but they like that photo, the publisher. But I, um, I you know, my, the book is really, I think of it as something not only about running the Boston Marathon, but also about why we run and why you might quit. Because it's about my brother, Charlie, and our best friend, Jason Kehoe. And we grew up as kids, little kids together in Hartford, Connecticut, and then in Newington, uh, Connecticut, where we ran, started cross country. And we were the first uh, class to have cross country at Newington High School in 1966. So we were, you know, we were good friends. We were teammates. It was a Mickey Dink little sport. You know, sometimes we couldn't get five of us out there, but we had a great coach and all. But um, when, when we couldn't, you know, we graduate, a lot of times when you graduate high school or college, you're on a team, quit. You get into the so-called real world, which is sometimes not such a great real world. But anyway, I, I quit running after college days and having met a fellow named Amy Burfoot. Uh, who had won the Boston Marathon. And later when I had quit, I was standing at the finish line with Jason Keogh, my, my old teammate, and, and saw Amy Burfoot come in and, and also uh, Jeff Galloway. We all went to Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. So we had a, um, so th those guys kind of motivated me to get back into the sport. I had had some tricky things happen in my life where I got knocked, knocked down a little bit, but made a comeback. And, and they do believe you can always make a comeback. You know, that, that's what our sport is kind of about, you know. But it, but if anyone was, was is interested in uh, purchasing a signed copy of my book, they could just reach me at BillRogersRunningCenter.com. That's a little online store my brother and I have. Right. So um, BillRogersRunningCenter.com. In fact, I, I ordered a, an autographed copy of your book uh, just uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. So um, now the Bill Rogers Running Center, it was, um, you, you had a store at Faneuil Hall Marketplace back um, a number of years ago, but now it's everything's online. Is that correct? Yes, we opened our first store in uh, Cleveland Circle, right on the edge of Boston, 77. Then in 78, we opened the store at uh, Faneuil Hall. And then we had a little one in Worcester for a while as well. And um, my brother, Charlie, was the manager for 35 years and Jason Keogh was our assistant manager. So it was, 
you know, it's kind of like a family thing, you know, a small mom and pop business. But it was fun. It was it was meant to be more than just a retail store. It was meant to be a resource center where podiatrists could come in or coaches and, and, and the runners could hang out, you know, and, and because this was in the running boom it was pretty new and we're all learning from each other. But also we could run over to Boston College, which was right around the bend. And we actually opened our store at the um, recommendation of Tommy Leonard, who lived right up near us at Cleveland Circle. And he, he would say, Bill, why don't you open a running store? I was a teacher then in Everett, Mass. I taught special education and uh, thought about it for a while. And finally, finally, we did open our store. Great. I think a lot of top runners have done that over the years. Frank Shorter did, John Cardong, American Olympian. Galloway still has a store down in Atlanta. You know, I think the Amby Burfoot tried a store because it's a way to stay involved with the sport. And because road racing used to be just in the summers. So many of the athletes would do their road races in the summer, then go back and teach. Like Johnny Kelly, the young Johnny Kelly from Groton, Connecticut, you know. But it was a lot of fun. Always yeah. fun. And you guys lived the, the running boom. Really. You're at your peak in the late 70s, right? I think uh, you fueled the, the running boom. Because I, I remember I, in late 70s, I was you know, 20 years old. And uh, maybe I would, would run 5K races. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, well, Frank Shorter, I always say Frank Shorter kicked off the running boom. Our American men's gold medalist. There have been two in the 126 years of the Olympic Games, Frank Shorter. And an uh, Irish fella from New York City, um, Joe, maybe you can remember his name. <laughs> Took uh -oh. the gold in 1908. I can't remember. You can't remember either. Johnny Hayes. That's it, Johnny Hayes. Okay. Yeah, and, it, so, and of course, Joan kicked off the women's side of the sport big time uh, for Americans in particular with her gold medal in 84 LA. But, and Greta White's at New York City Marathon with her nine victories there really motivated women to get into the sport. So when Joe and I were beginning, Tim, you know, back in the 60s, I didn't even have, there was no women's or girls cross country team, um, either in college or high school. So it was a very kind of backward sport. That was because the International Olympic Committee was kind of backwards and how they dealt, worked with women in the sports world. Us guy runners, all of us supported women coming into the sport. And Joe, you coached a women's team. I did. Yeah, I, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Well, I did. I coached uh, Greenfield High School uh, for three years, and I was very fortunate. We had some wonderful athletes that that um, we finished second in Western Mass the first year. We won Western Mass the second year, and the third year we were second uh, again. So we were very competitive, and and. Uh, you know, it was a great group of, of women and uh, they worked, they worked really hard. They had a tough coach. <laughs> That's good. So just on the theme of women runners, if you look at the, the demographics of the Boston Marathon, you know, back in probably the 70s, 80s, I mean, maybe what 10% of the field might be women. And today it's, it's almost 50%. I mean, today, they, you know, I think 2019, they, get, they had 30,000 runners and I think it was 16,000 male runners and 14,000 females. So, um, so it's really been a, a great thing for uh, women's athletics. Yep. Tim, I, I grew up on the Western Mass roads and 
when I would run a road race in the, in the late 60s and even the real early 70s, there would only be perhaps one female yeah. in the race. Yeah. And it was Charlotte Lettuce, yeah. uh, who um, you know, was married to Tom Dedarian. And, and uh, I believe her name is Charlotte Richardson now. Um, and and uh, that was it. She was the, I don't remember another woman right. back then. I think it was a tricky thing because there was, you know, there were coaches, but it was, it was considered to be a guy sport. It was like football today or something, but kind of uh, very backwards. But I think um, Roberta Gibb changed that at Boston, you know, and then in New York, Nina Kruse came in. 1972, women were officially recognized by the International Olympic Committee. And in that way, the New York City and Boston marathons, Chicago Marathon, all the marathons, women were then official and received the same awards as men. But they didn't get their medals at the Boston Marathon. The women did not get their gold medals. Roberta Gibb, Sarah Mae Berman, uh, and um, oh, Nina Kusick, and did not get their medals until the 100th anniversary of Boston. John wow. Hancock stepped in as the sponsor and then gave them their gold medals. And they're really beauties, those medals. So it had to wait a long time. It was, you know. I think you mentioned in your book, I think uh, the, um, uh, the, I think it was one of the first woman runners, would, I think it was Jock Semple, chased her off the, was he the one who chased um, her off the course? Yes, it was Jock Semple, who was an old time marathoner from Philadelphia. And, and he played a very positive role along with, race director Will Cloney for 40 years, keeping the Boston Marathon alive because they had no sponsor and not much money from the race entry fees. I remember my race entry fee in 1973, it was $5. Today, I think it's two or $300. It's a little different, but, <laughs> um, but I think Jock was trying to, if you allowed a woman to run, your race would lose its license to exist. This also happened to Fred Vibeau at the New York City Marathon. And he couldn't let women in there. And also at the Manchester Road Race, I remember women, several women standing on the side of the road and wanting to run and Amy Burfitt and myself and others, Ray Crothers, John Vitale, all saying to these officials, you've got to let them in. But we didn't have any power, us runners. Not till 1981, when the sport was changed forever out in Oregon at the Cascade runoff, when we put on the first Association of Road Racing Athletes was formed and the first professional road race put on in the country in about 75 years happened. So our sport went, underwent some huge changes, but I do believe we are at the forefront of the sports world now. Prize money for women is equal to the men's. All over the world. It's not like that in other sports. <coughs> not in soccer. Right? We, we, we've been yeah. reading about that in the news. So, yeah, no, that's great. I think it was, um, I was thinking of Catherine Switzer. I believe she was, was she the first woman finisher of the Boston Marathon or, or one of the first? I, I, we... Well, Roberta Gibb was the first woman to run and win the Boston Marathon. And she won the first three years. Um, Jacques Semple was trying to get her number. That's what happened in that incident on the Boston Marathon course because he thought the Boston Marathon would not be able to exist if he allowed a woman runner. It was very backwards in hindsight. And if I were race director, I would have said, let him run, you know, of course they should be running. Right. But that kind of shows you how backwards our sport was. But it also shows you today how strong our sport is today. 
because of the leaders who've changed it over years, you know, the men and the women who work together to change the sport for the better. Yeah, well, so much has changed. I mean, the, even the, the technology, right, and running shoes um, is, is changed uh, tremendously. I mean, uh, I was talking with um, a friend who, you know, he ran back in the 70s. And, you know, back then it was pretty much the, the, your running shoes were just your regular sneakers. <laughs> yeah. And not, now there's just uh, there's so many different you know, types of running shoes, uh, you know, stability shoe and, and, and so on. And, and, and depending on how you, you know, how your foot is. And, and so, so. Well, you, you know, if you take a look at the old shoes worn way back, you know, by Johnny Miles at Boston, 1926, or uh, the, the Japanese fellow who won Boston, the first Japanese to win Boston, 1954, when the BAA invited Japanese runners to compete at Boston. If you look at their shoes, which are in the uh, lobby of the BAA headquarters in Boston, you can see how flimsy and <laughs> incredibly poorly constructed some of these shoes were. On the other hand, some of the, the top runners like Johnny Kelly, the elder, a great American champion there, who was a two-time Boston champion and two-time Olympian, he had his shoes made by a cobbler. But one point is that women's some are women's shoes are different than men's shoes and 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 so there's a whole you can you've got to really take some time picking out your shoes you you know that Tim and Joe and I know it but a lot of the beginners don't know it and they'll go in the store and they'll, they'll pick out some shoe that maybe a friend wears but you've got to try them on and lace up your shoes and try to move in them a bit you know and sometimes it takes two or three shoes models to find the shoes that work best and I think that held women back from getting into the sport. The shoe companies weren't making, there weren't that many women runners, so they didn't really push uh, shoe development for women. But now they certainly do. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so let's. I want to get back to Joe's book a little bit. Um, so, Joe, um, you, of course, like we've talked about, devote a number of chapters to you know running in in Western Mass. You know, you grew up in Greenfield and. Um, because one of the things you did was um, you had run a, a 24-hour relay because you helped organize a 24-hour relay team. We did. Uh, you know, Runner's World magazine was publishing uh, the results of 24-hour relays that were going on around the country. And we looked at some of the times and we said, hey, we could do that. Nobody on the East Coast has come in with a good, a good uh, amount of miles. So we, we got 10 of us together and the rules were pretty strict because if you lost somebody during the relay, you can't replace them. And that means your rest period is shorter. So we did it on, I think it was September 2nd or 3rd and it ended up being a freezing cold night down into the forties. And you know, we had a little tent set up and we had kerosene lanterns around the track so because we, we had no lights on our track. And, and actually, the track was just a, a grass oval, um, which, uh, which was actually good because you were doing so much running on the track. It was nice and comfortable. But anyway, we ended up running 244 miles, and we set the East Coast record. So we were, we were all pretty ecstatic about that. But I think the 24-hour relay is, as far as the recovery goes, it was tougher than any marathon I ever ran. So and how I, long I, was your segment then? One month. One, one. So, 
So Joe would want to run a mile, then Tim would run a mile, then Bill would run a mile. Okay, and you oh, kept, okay. You had to go in that order. And I can remember blazing through miles at 450, 455. And I'm saying, this is easy. This is wonderful. I get another hour to rest and then I'll do another one. Well, that went on all day until about 10 o'clock at night. All of a sudden, it was like somebody gave me a piano to carry. I could not move my legs. And I went from 450 miles, 450 pace to 525 pace, just like that. I mean, it was like, holy mackerel, 40 seconds, you know, a mile slower. And, uh, you know, and I, I held on, you know, through the, uh, through the rest of the night, but it was a tough event. Well, I don't still, recommend five, it. <laughs> five twenty-five is still a blistering pace. <laughs> so yeah. so I, th I think I averaged five sixteen a mile uh, for the twenty-four hours. But uh, you know, you you finish a mile, and then what do you do? You know, what do you do between then and the next time you run? It's not enough time to sleep. You really can't eat. I mean, you know, so yeah. it was a really challenging event. Yeah, I've never I mean, done anything like that, but uh, I know was, like relay races, not quite like that, but there's one, a popular one is a hundred on a hundred up in Vermont, but then each, and I think there's six people on the team. So each runner <coughs> averages, you know, six, almost 17 miles. Uh, but that's, um, I think you, you put, you can run that in maybe two segments. So uh, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not a mile here, a mile and mile after mile after mile. So you, you get your miles in and then you're done. But, sure. Um, so, um, so how are you guys running today? Uh, Bill, I know you, you mentioned you, uh, you like to run in the mornings. Yeah, I, I used to train twice a day, you know, years and years ago and uh, put my miles together. I was mainly a marathoner, um, not so interested in track as much and everything, but you know, today I, I still run about 10 or 12 races a year. Um, so like the Boilermaker up in upstate New York or um, let's I've see done some that others. One. That's a good one. The Falmouth That's a great one. They have a great after party. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's early got, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> we runners know how to celebrate. Yeah, we, <clears> we work <throat> hard, but then we're going to celebrate big time. And Joe and I go down to the Falmouth Road Race. Uh, the recent years, Joe brings down his boat, him and his wife, and, 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 and we just celebrate the spirit of Tommy Leonard at the Falmouth Road Race. And, and so I still have fun with it. I run around 30 miles a week, maybe 35 miles a week. It depends. I, you know, it's kind of a tricky thing. I've been running 57 years, and um, that is a lot. You know, so, so it's like there isn't that much information on how to train for older runners. Beyond the age, and when I say older, I think of over 60, you know. Before that, you're still a kid, you know. <laughs> so how, I guess I sound like Johnny Kelly now. <laughs> so uh, I go out running, and it, I think the most frequent topic of conversation amongst runners is injuries. And yes, we bore everybody else. It, you know, most people though are inactive, and it's too bad. I always am hoping that my fellow Americans will find the sport they love, no matter what their age. And I think the Olympic sports are the sports that do the most for your health. Sports like cycling and swimming and rowing and, and running and walking. So, so I'm always a big fan of that. But I think injuries are more serious injuries are in sports like football. We all know that now, um, how 
bad that can be. If you want the good health sport, definitely stick to running because it's great for your cardio. But minor level injuries like Achilles tendonitis or something like that or calf strain certainly can occur. And I've had those, but they're all easily overcomable. The physical therapists today are so good. They can that's help true. anybody make a recovery to their running. No, that, that's true. Um, yeah, I, uh, in fact, every six months I get a gel injection in my knees. <laughs> but um, I... How is that I, working, those, those gel injections? I've heard of those. It's, it's wonderful. It was, I, I, I had been, I was registered for the um, 2000 and, you know, it was the 2019 Boston Marathon. And I didn't run because I had so much knee pain. So finally, I convinced my doctor to uh, let me get an x-ray. And um, mm -hmm. it, it just showed up like a mild to moderate loss of cartilage in my knee. And so I went to an orthopedic specialist and um, he had um, recommended a, a, this gel injection, the, the Duralane is the product. And, and um, it was amazing. It, it was, uh, it, it's, it, was, it stored my running career, you know, long distance wise. And then I ran the Philadelphia Marathon later that year. So, so that for me, it's been a godsend. I mean, science is really working in all these different ways for us to keep our health, you know, and I think that's a, I know of other people who've had uh, knee injuries like that. Uh, Joan Benite Samuelson did before she took the gold in 84. Um, so, so, but in fact, knee injuries are not common amongst runners. They're more common amongst inactive people. And so that it's kind of a myth. And for about 40 years, whenever I would go to a race, the local media would say, well, how are your knees? I would say, I never had any problem in my life. <laughs> well, one thing, um, one thing I started a few years ago is cross training. And I, I, I believe that if, if you're a long distance runner, you, you, it's helpful to do something else to kind of work your core, strengthen your core. And, and uh, so I, you know, try to go to the gym a few days a week and um, uh, just do you know, you know, I think, Tim, body it, it's really, I think that's really smart. And most of the coaches today for older people are talking about that. When Joe and I were young beginning runners, you know, we would do some calisthenics, some jumping jacks, some push-ups, some sit-ups, that sort of thing. But today, the, the professional runners are leading the way as athletes kind of worldwide. They're in the pool, swimming, you know, they're using the weights in a careful way. They're doing yoga. Uh, some stretching, you know, so, 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 but we're all a little bit different. You have to find what you love, but I have to admit, I'm a lazy runner type. I just want to run, you know, I mean, to lift some weights and do that. But, yeah. but I do find the, when I do do something like that, then I agree with you a hundred percent that it helps us so much as we age. And Joe, I think you, you've gotten involved in some tennis yourself. Your dad was a racquetball player. You've got some speed there. Yeah, you know, it's, I hope to get back to running in the next uh, few months, but right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the tennis court three times a week, uh, and that seems to be helping me right now, and um, I hope, you know, again, I hope to be out there jogging and walking in the next few weeks, so just recovering from the foot surgery is, uh, it's been a little tricky this time, maybe it's because I'm a year older, I don't know, but it's uh, it's been a little bit tricky. But Joe, you're 65, eight, 68. Oh my gosh, you're almost 70. That's dangerous. <laughs> I'm on my way to that uh, the next <laughs> birthday soon. So 
But that's one of the cool things, you know, I always say, you know, when you think of what's your age, well, there's your driver's license age, but your real age is how you live. And here's Tim running the Boston Marathon. Here's Joe playing tennis, you know, three days a week, getting 40 plus years as a runner, maybe 50, something like that. But you're staying active. So we're all trying. And you don't have to run the marathon. You know, Joe and I did a lot of those. Tim, you might be newer at it, but... But I think um, the marathon is, I think, more of a psychological challenge. And, and today, the fundraising side of the sport is absolutely huge. You know, so, so that kind of gives a lot of fire and power to the marathon. But I hope, Joe, that you know, we're going to meet up at Falmouth. And, and, and maybe you'll walk it with our good buddy there, Don, Don Avgene from Chicago. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have that Tommy Leonard spirit again. Yeah, so... So Joe, just one last point on marathon. So Joe, you, um, I think your preferred distance was maybe a 10K or? A... 5K to 10K, I think Tim was my, was my ideal distance. You know, when I first started running, the marathon was kind of like something you had to do. If you're a runner, you've got to do a marathon. So I kind of got, uh, let's just say I got sucked into this marathon thing and it took me a long time to figure out I really wasn't a marathon runner. Uh, at my best, I was 5'8", 150 pounds. So I was carrying a lot of weight. As Bill knows, I sweat more than anybody on the planet. So I, I would lose so much water. You know, it was just tough. But I found that when I ran 5Ks and I ran 10Ks and even 10 milers, mm -hmm. I would whip the people who beat me at the marathon. You know, most of them couldn't beat me at the shorter distance. So, you know, I, it took me a long time, but I figured it out. I'm not a marathon runner. I'm here to admit today, I'm not a marathon runner. <laughs> that's that's okay. It's... Um, it, you, you, you don't need to be a marathon runner. You know, not everyone I, is. And, and so I you enjoy running, running, you know, 5K races or 10, you know, even 10Ks or five miles. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, so sure. uh, that's, that's a, that's a good message and you're, you're a good example. <laughs> so, so you're very accomplished. Um, so um, I want to thank both of you for uh, joining me on this podcast. I, I really appreciate it. I, I know uh, Bill, when, when we met in Philadelphia, I just, I was struck with how friendly you were at the, uh, at the expo and, and how you took the time to chat with my wife and myself. Um, even though there was a line of people waiting, you, you, um, you took the time to find, ask us questions, and um, it, it, you're really a, a friendly guy. You, you, even in your book, you, you, it, I think you mentioned that um, you know off the race course, you're you know a, kind of a, a you know accommodating person, but but um, uh, friendly, low key guy. But but then once you get out in the race course, you're you're a real competitor. <laughs> so you know, Tim, I think one of the things that we've all been talking about today is, is, is that this really is, it's just, it can be a team sport very much so. And Joe and I became great friends over the years with our good buddy, Tom Fleming and everything. And this, the team aspect and track and field and cross country road racing, you know, you talked about Springfield running club, Joe and Tim. And so, so that's a huge part of it. And so I always say to beginners, if you can find, you know, maybe it's your next door neighbor or somebody down the street who's out there going for a walk or a run. You just need one other person, and then you're a team, you know? Yeah, well, thanks so, for having me on your show. Yeah, 
I found that the running community is very supportive. I, I, it's um, mm -hmm. no matter what, you know, you're not really running against people. You're just you're running to improve yourself. And um, it's mm -hmm. uh, everyone wants everyone to do their best. So that's, that's a, it's a beautiful. And you uh, really, I think Tim, that you really feel that like at the expos where, you know, hundreds and thousands of runners are all gathered. Many of them are brand new and they're learning from their friends and family. And, and it's just, so exciting to go to the expos and really is one of the great old marathons I actually won the Philadelphia marathon back in 74. The first winner was uh, the greatest Boston marathoner of all time, Clarence DeMar. He won seven Bostons, but he also won Philadelphia and our country's, um, I guess, I don't know, it was uh, 1926, you know, anniversary of our, our country um, becoming a country. And so they brought in Clarence DeMar. Uh, to celebrate that. And so our sport has so much history to it. Our sport has as much history as baseball or football. It's actually, I think, an older sport competed in since the dawn of humankind. We were foot racing, yeah. I think. Well, back and we're in still Greece, at it. Right. Ancient Greece. <laughs> Absolutely. A couple ancient. thousand years ago, the Olympic Games. Right, right. So, so okay. Well, thank you again. This is, this has been great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, when hopefully, uh, Boston Marathon will go off uh, in, in October, and and um, who knows, maybe maybe I'll get in touch with you again to talk about the Boston Marathon. So Absolutely. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Thanks, right. Tim. Pleasure. Take care. Thank you. And now a rundown of upcoming events for in-person running in Western Mass. Your best bet is to run one of the weekday evening time trials that are put on by the local running clubs. The format is essentially the same for all of these. You show up and register, run and time the course in your own, and then submit your time where you registered. Results will be posted on the corresponding running club website. Make sure to wear a face mask and practice social distancing when checking in and submitting your time. On Monday evenings at Stanley Park in Westfield, the Empire One Running Club hosts three-mile time trials. Check in at the small gazebo. Run on your own between 5.30 and 7 p.m. On Tuesday evenings, the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts time trials on their 5K cross-country course. Register on Burt's Pitts Road in Northampton. Run on your own between 5.30 and 7. On Wednesday evenings, the Greater Springfield Harriers host their Summer Sizzler time trials at Forest Park. These races alternate each week between an on-road 8K and a cross-country 5K route. The event on Wednesday, April 28th, will be on the 5K cross-country route. Register between 5.30 and 6.30 near the Walker Grandstand across from the basketball courts. And on Thursday evenings, the Empire One Running Club hosts 5K time trials at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. Check in under the canopy in front of the Holyoke Elks, then run the 5K course on your own, and then submit your time. Do this between 5.30 and 7.30, and the Elks is open for pre and post-race activities. If you're willing to travel to Connecticut, the Hereford Marathon Foundation has at least a half dozen in-person events throughout the summer. The HMF events are always well-organized. Because of COVID restrictions, these events will start in waves and have limited fields, so they may sell out more quickly. In fact, the HMF Burlington, the Collinsville Classic 10K, scheduled for May 16th, is already sold out. However, 
There's still time to register for the Yukon Health Iron Horse Half Marathon, 10K and 5K in Simsbury. Check out the Hartford Marathon Foundation website for details. In addition to the HMF events, the Senko K. Mayo 5K Run, Walk in Enfield on Saturday, May 1st is also an in-person event. Here's a rundown of Western Mass events for May. On Sunday, May 2nd, the Western Mass Mother's Day Half Marathon and 5K, a benefit for Cancer Connection in Waitley, takes place. So it, that's a virtual race. Also a virtual race, the Three Rivers Run in the Hills, hosted by the Three Rivers Firefighters Association. Run the 3.8-mile route anytime between May 2nd and May 30th. The Healthy Kids Running Series for children in grades pre-K through 8th grade runs for five weeks, starting on May 2nd in Hamden. On Sunday, May 16th, the 7th Annual Celebrate Kate 5K at Nathan Bills in Springfield. Right now, you can only sign up for the virtual event, but check their website to see if the in-person event will take place. If you're interested in the New England Challenge Series Marathon and Half Marathon races, on Thursday, May 20th, the Old Colony Marathon takes place at Stanley Park in Westfield. And on Friday, May 21st, the Nutmeg State Marathon takes place at Goodwin Park in Hartford. These are in-person events and are Boston qualifiers. And finally, the Run Westfield Flat and Fast 5K, originally scheduled for May 22nd, has been canceled. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. My guest for the next podcast will be Don Roberts from the Greater Springfield Harriers. We talk about Don's awesome running, her activities in support of Western Mass Running, and her very impressive professional and humanitarian work. You won't want to miss it. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running. <laughs>